Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Heal the world we live in and uh, make it uh, better for our children. Michael Jackson, Heal the World, uh, leads us into a conversation about how we live in a country that is currently facing a poverty crisis that has an estimated 20% of its household experiencing food insecurity. The situation particularly dire in provinces like, for example, the Eastern Cape and a South African Human Rights Commission investigation revealed that one in four children in the province of the Eastern Cape suffers from stunted growth due to malnutrition and the commission called for the government to declare uh, a hunger crisis as a national disaster. And at the back of this, um, and I think at the back of also that uh, poignant Michael Jackson song, we thought to also speak to those that are making a difference, whether nationally or in the communities that they come from. Because really, you know, the truth is uh, we, we give so much power to the politicians, but change is driven by individuals, uh, human beings and organizations. So what are you doing uh you know uh you can call in and talk to us about what you're doing and if you know somebody who's making a difference and hopefully at the end of this conversation we'll have inspired you know uh something different for some of the households that are experiencing food shortages this Christmas. We invited David Harrison, who's Chief Operations Officer at the DG Mari Trust. Also, we invited philanthropist and founder of the Linda Twala Foundation, which gives a lot to the poor and the elderly in the community of Alexander Linda Twala. Good morning to the both of you. Uh, I suppose Christmas greetings, but Christmas is not a pleasant place uh, for some in our country. David, tell me about the DG Mary Trust, where it started, what it is that you do. Let's start with you. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on the program, Komotso. Um, so DG Mary Trust is uh, started a long time ago. It's a, it's a philanthropic so, uh, organization, but we position ourselves as a public innovator. In other words, we're trying to bring about improvements in South Africa to make people's lives better. And so we combine giving money to non-government organizations who are doing work on the ground with um, a, a policy advocacy, uh, trying to bring about national change. Uh, and we also start and run and manage programs, um, including some nutrition programs, um, uh, for uh, until they're big enough to run on their own two feet. So we sort of incubate them, um, we, we, we run the campaigns, and once they're big enough, um, then we continue funding them, but they become their own legal entities. So that's how we structured uh, purely South African uh, focus, and um, we've been operating for the last 40 years. Wow, that's incredible. And Linda, good morning to you. You also are a, a, a philanthropist. Uh, yeah. And and uh, with you, you, uh, you know, you took the thing, the initiative upon yourself. Tell me why it is that you even decided to get into the space of giving uh, to the poor and the elderly in the community of Alexander. From what I'm reading, you are heavily inspired by how your mom did it many, many yeah. years ago. Yeah. What I can say now, just in any in, in introduction, I was born and brought up in Alex some 79 years back. 
my grandparents were staying, were, were working for Mr. Papantus in 1903, Herbert Papantus, in 1903. They were the first to live in Alexander. Go out of the house without any food. And the work that I'm doing, I started it in 1967. How old were you? In 1957, I wasn't even born. I wasn't even an idea to my parents. Yeah. They they never even, I don't think my parents yeah. had met in yeah, 1957. This year, this, year, this year, I'm celebrating my 56 years serving God's children. Wow. I was wow. born to serve, not to distract. I don't sleep well when uh, somebody's hungry, mm-hmm. especially because I look after senior citizens, the disabled, and unmarried mothers, and of course, parolees, those, those that are from jail, and we are also helping them. We have also been working with them. It's, it's a pity, you know, if you were to send me your email, I would give you the whole information about where we are and what are we doing. My main aim and my appeal to you, we need land in Alexander. Mm, mm. Alexander was meant for 60,000 families, but today to a more than a million in a square mile. And if Alexander is mother of all the continents, all the townships, and it has called the poor of the poorest. Yeah, and yeah. And you really need your help, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, David, one in five South African households not having enough food on the table and life continuously getting tougher for poorer families and children growing up stunted because they don't have enough food to eat. What are the experiences that you've had in on the ground as uh, the DG Mari Trust and where do you find the worst situations? Yeah, so so let's start with the understanding that South Africa produces enough food for everybody. Mm-hmm. It can, it does. It it produces enough food. It's just that we as a society choose where we, we where we want to uh, send that food, and it excludes a very significant proportion of our population. That's that's the reality. Um, so we do have to start there. We do need to start that. Uh, with the understanding that um, in our constitution, uh, the right to sufficient food is is a basic right. The right for children to have sufficient nutrition um, is embedded in the constitution. It's a guarantee. It's not even subject to progressive realization. It's a guarantee. Um, so 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 that is the place to start. Mm. Um, understanding we can, if we would, if we wish to, but we choose not to. Um, and, and that plays out in a number of different ways. I mean, we need to think of it almost like the, uh, like an iceberg. The tip of the iceberg are the children who die from severe acute malnutrition. Mm. And roughly 15,000 children are admitted to hospital every year with acute malnutrition, and about 1,000 of them die. Another 10,000 children who die under five who die from other causes, um, the underlying, actual underlying cause is severe acute malnutrition, and another 10,000 children who die, and roughly 30,000 die a year in South Africa. That's another a lot. 10,000 are, 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 um, are underweight at the time of, of, of death. So, so that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the piece that you see, which is 
which is a lot of children in a rich country like South Africa that produces enough food dying. Be below that, as you say, uh, is the fact that um, one in five families say that they can't put enough food on the table. And below that is a much bigger number, 1.5 million children who are chronically malnourished, one in four children in South Africa who are, who are what we call stunted. And that's, and that's you see because they're not growing well enough. What you can't see is that their brains are not growing well enough as well. Hmm. And the provinces that are worse off are, uh, are the Eastern Cape, as we heard about, um, uh, Free State, Northwest, Pumalanga, Northern Cape. These, these are where children do not have enough access to food. Yeah. So, I mean, if we, it was so profound when you said to me, uh, we pro produce enough food in our country for no one to ever go to bed hungry. Uh, you know, if, if we choose to, why is it that we're not choosing to? What is the problem? Well, I, I think there are, two, there are two issues. One is, is politicians in South Africa have not taken nutrition seriously. You know, if you want to be voted in as the president of Peru or of Brazil or of Ecuador or Chile, um, you've got to prove to the population that you're serious about nutrition. Since since 2006, those countries have put nutrition right at the forefront of what they do. Um, and we've seen significant reductions in, uh, in, in the rate of nutritional stunting in those countries as a result. So, so that is our first... That is our first big challenge. You know, I mean, the ruling party's uh, uh, manifesto, election manifesto in 2019 didn't even mention nutrition. So we've got to we've got to find a way to to force nutrition onto the national agenda. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons why politicians don't pay attention to it, I think, is that uh, children can't vote and they think that nutrition is only about uh, children. And at the end of the day, they're more sensitive to the voters than they are to non-voters. Mm, what mm. they don't realize is, firstly, that's, that, is, uh, that, that is a serious error to make because our children are the future. And what, what the World Bank and what others have shown is that stunted children leads to a stunted economy. And our country is stuck in a situation where we can't grow our economy. Why? because we're not growing our children. Wow. So you are saying that child nutrition must be, uh, you know, the number one issue that is put on the table ahead of the 2024 general elections. Tell me why. It's hard to imagine anything that is more important than getting our economy growing. Mm -hmm. And and to get our economy growing, um, we've got to... We've we we we've we've got to get our educational system uh, working. Children need to be able to learn, um, but in order to be able to learn, children need to have food. And we're stuck in a vicious cycle where a quarter of our children are stunted, which means that they they can't learn well. Which we know means that uh, eighty two percent of them uh, can't read for meaning when they're in school. Mm. Which means that many of them drop out. Um, which means that we don't have a, 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 a enough of a skilled um, a labor base in South Africa to really grow the economy, which results in huge unemployment, which results in which which results in in very low growth rates. So we're stuck in the cycle. 
So if we're going to get out of the cycle, and even if our interest is economic development, and it's not about children, we've got to go to the roots of what's driving poor economic development in South Africa. And it's and it is the 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 the, the source of human capital that we're not paying attention to. Our children, their nutrition, their early language and learning development, these are the things that need to change. So there is no more profound issue for for any government in South Africa than to get the most basic rights that children need food. Wow. So, Linda, one of the things that is talked about where Alexander is concerned, in fact, uh, it is used um, as a reflection of the degree of inequality that uh, uh, exists in South Africa, uh, where, you know, it's it's a, a township opposite Sentin, which they call the richest square mile in the African continent, and yet reflects very much the, you know, degree of how much uh, there's inequality in South Africa, what are you finding on the ground in terms of the levels of poverty and how it impacts particularly children in the Alexander area? My concern now is that uh, Alexander children outnumber us and there's this teenage pregnancy and most of the children, their parents are not working during the week you think maybe it's a Sunday. And it breaks my heart to see children roaming around with no food. That is why we're even having these uh, programs of helicopter ride, just to make them feel recognized. Mm. There's a lot to be done in Alexandra. I so wish you could represent us and be our ambassadors. I mean, we took the pattern from Mandela, we ran with it, and we are uh, expecting these children to be our future leaders. Instead... We are killing ourselves because we are looking upon the government as the Messiah that's going to deliver. And yet we must do these things on our own. We are government. We are government. So, uh, at uh, David, at, uh, G- at DGMT, uh, you have an initiative called Grow Great, and you're championing, uh, sorry, championing uh, a very bold proposal to make ten nutritious foods cheaper for poorer families, and and you call them uh, the ten best buys. Tell me about those items and what exactly your initiative is about. Yes, so. So, so there we're trying to do two things. Um, you know, when people um, are, are battling with enough money to buy food, they tend to buy cheaper foods. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what we've seen is that people are moving away from protein-rich foods, pro, uh, foods that contain protein, and protein is a necessary building block of the body. They move away from that to carbohydrates, um, uh, the starches, the potatoes, um, and a, a, and while those have a role, they uh, they are, are often uh, produce calories that give you energy, but not enough of the building blocks of the body that are necessary, for example, for the brain to develop. Mm-hmm. So so there's a shift away from proteins to carbohydrates. So we're saying two things. One is we're saying to communities, even if you've got a little bit of money. Make sure that you're spending it as wisely as you can. Um, um, foods like uh, speckled beans and 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 eggs and and soya mince and peanut butter, um, uh, sour milk, amasi. These these contain high degrees of 
of uh, of protein. These are your best buys. So we're saying we're saying that to the communities, but at the same time, we're saying both to industry and to government that they have to come to the table. They cannot simply put this in the hands of consumers who don't have money. And what we're proposing is that um, for one brand, uh, let's call it the Grow Great brand mm-hmm. of uh, of these 10 best buy items, we're, we're asking industry not to take a profit on those 10 best buys just for that brand uh, so that so that they can reduce the price. And then we're asking government to come in and further reduce the price with a matching retail subsidy. In other words, government gives as much as industry gives. And in that way, we can double discount those 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 10 best buys um, and and that would that would reduce the price of those foods significantly, just to provide a basic safety net for people who are most who are most desperate. Yeah. So you know, you, when when we started having our conversation, one of the things that uh, you uh, highlighted is that you know you you work with uh, both business and uh, communities. What are your demands on business? What do you want them to do uh, outside of just the politicians and the expectation that we place on the politicians uh, to get rid of the you know particularly the child stunting problem in South Africa? What demands or expectations or requests do you put on your business partners and or potential business partners in terms of how we uh, uh, the role that they play in turning this situation around yeah so we must remember that that south africa because it's such an urbanized country um high you know high lot of uh, number of people living in informal settlements it 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 is a cash economy it's not an a, a, there are agricultural areas and we'll come back to that later because it is important that where people can grow food mm. they do grow food mm. but 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 um we have a a very concentrated um a food industry in south africa where retailers and manufacturers uh, can set prices for uh, for for foodstuffs and and so we are calling to retailers to say you need to come to the table look Retailers, you are benefiting hugely from the 250 billion rand a year that goes through social grants into your stores. You're direct beneficiaries of that process. Now, now, even that is not enough. Um, we know that the child support grant is only providing uh, two thirds of the uh, of the minimum food that that, that children that children need. We know that two and a half million children in South Africa have not got access to that uh, for that to that child support grant. So we're saying to we're saying to uh, industry, look, this can't simply be government's responsibility to pay. You also, and especially because you're beneficiaries as well, you need to uh, to say that you will not take profit on those ten best buys just for that single brand. That's all we're asking of you. Just do that. And if government comes in and matches it, we can we can dramatically reduce uh, the price of those ten best buys. Now, now industry industry has chosen not to engage in the last nine months on this particular proposal. Wow. Um, they they they've simply hedged and fudged and eventually um, have said that they're not willing to engage. I'm sorry, in a country like South Africa with such high rates of malnutrition, 
There is no way the food industry can do that. Yeah. So, I mean, are you ever at all asking them to take it up perhaps as, you know, their CSI initiative? Because I suppose they could say we're business, we're driven around profits. Uh, But, you know, most businesses, for example, uh, have a lot of CSI initiatives. Is that route not viable? So, so industry is saying that's what they do. That they that they that they're engaging on on uh, with in, with CSI with corporate social investment. Mm. But that is that is a band aid on the problem in the, in South Africa. Mm. Let me give you one example. Sure. So, so um, the the biggest retailer says that it it gives six million meals a year. Um, now, roughly six million children. Um, in South Africa, uh, don't get enough food to eat every year. So if they give six million a year, that means they're giving one meal to every child in need once a year, once a year, one day out of 365. The other 364 days, those children get nothing. So we've got to we've got to engage more fundamentally, more 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 fundamentally than that. We've got to say, yes, corporate social responsibility is important, but we we have to understand the underlying structural factors that are driving high food prices that are resulting in retailers able to extract more profits from uh, their sales in South Africa than they would, for example, in another country. So so the, the, the profit margin on retail sales in the average profit margin of retail sales uh, for food in South Africa is about 5.6%. Compare that to the UK and other European countries where it's down to 3%. So there's a two there's a 2% premium because of our highly concentrated food market where the retailers are benefiting. So we're saying to them, please carry on with your corporate social investment. That is important, but it's not enough in a country where food food affordability is creating a crisis. Okay, gentlemen, let me go to a quick commercial break and then we'll continue our conversation in a short while. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. Oh, morning, KG. Oh, Babu Linda has been helping the whole of Alexander for years. Even when you don't have money to bury your loved one, Babu Linda will help you. He does, I don't know, anything, everything. What about our president and our deputy? They promised to upgrade Alexander. Yeah, Babu Linda, God bless you. Good morning, Auskeji. I'm Sridu from Watema in Springs. Uh, my request to the representative of DG Mari Trust is for him to leave uh, the contact details of the organization uh, because I'd like uh, mine to be incubated uh, in that organization as well, as he said that they also do incubation of NPOs. Thank you. Morning, Keiji. It is true we need to heal the world. And the world takes care of us. We are its custodians and we feed from it. I work in communities in Mangawung area in Kabeha. I teach women to do garden, to take care of the soil, to work the soil and to feed their families. I have realized that we depend so much on the government, the handouts, 
and in our poverty mentality we just think we just have to be handed out everything we have freedom and it has to begin to register in our minds to take it upon ourselves i also run heal africa programs to work, work with the youth there's a lot of alcohol abuse and people are just not using their intelligence and i pray that africa will be healed this is nikiwe mangaun thank you Thank you, everybody, for your calls and, uh, I mean, your voice notes. Uh, uh, thank you, Nikiwe, for reminding us also about the importance of encouraging people to work their land, to grow their food. We are in conversation around the issue of food insecurity in South Africa with David Harrison, the Chief Operations Officer at DG Mari Trust, and Linda Twala is, uh, they do philanthropy, of course, at DG Mari Trust, and Linda Twala, a lone philanthropist in the Alexander uh, space, he has a foundation uh, that he uh, uh, runs called the Linda Twala Foundation that gives to the poor and the elderly in the community of Alexander. We also have some calls, gentlemen, before we continue our conversation. Brian is in Cape Town. Good morning, Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Hi, Brian. Hi. Hmm. KG, I just want to like to make two very brief comments. I know um, the time is uh, of the essence here. <laughs> um, firstly, I uh, you, I just wanted to um, agree with you on your previous comment, uh, pri- uh, pri- previous to this discussion of the uh, evolutionary, historical evolutionary process of culture, ethnicity, nationalism, um, and of course, um, racism for that matter. Um, you know, that was a very important point that we need to address in the future as well. It's extremely uh, dangerous ground. It's a breeding ground for hatred. We've seen what happened in um, in Rwanda with a, a massacre of a million Tutsis. In Biafra, three million people died because of this uh, ethnicity and cultural differences, so-called differences. And, uh, of course, the, the Second World War is, uh, is probably the best example of, of all the Jews that were killed. Did I lose you, Brian? I think I lost you. Uh, I'm sorry. Colin in Cape Town. Hi, Colin. Uh, good morning, uh, KG. Good morning to your guest. Do you know, um, the old days... I'm talking about the apartheid days. There were many, many items of food that were subsidized by the government. And it was controlled. You could go to any shop, anywhere, and buy a liter of milk. It was standard all over. A loaf of bread was standard. A maize meal was standard. No shop had a monopoly of being down or going up or things like that. We should have zero VAT on most of our foods, like eggs, milk, baby powders, things like that. Lentils, that's very, very healthy. You know, I went some time back to buy a packet of lentils, 500 uh, gram. Pick and pay, I looked, they were 22 rand odd. So I thought, that's oh, expensive. I went further on. I walked into Woolworths. Woolworths was 27 rand for the same packet, the same brand. 
Now, what is going on? If if one shop is selling it for 22 and the other one is selling for 28, it's no, it's not already called no name brand. It's the same brand. These things like that, the government should start subsidising those nutrition foods, and instead of wasting money elsewhere, changing names and statutes and things like that, spend money on the people, and we can. Uh, our children will be able, their parents will be able to afford and have no VAT on that. Luxury items, I agree, we can lift VAT on that. Motor cars, equipment, electricity equipment, and things that you don't buy every day, you buy only once a year in Christmas. Put VAT up on that. Lift the VAT. But your food that the children need should be subsidized by the government. And Thanks. all shops should have the same price on those control commodities. Thanks very much, KG. Thank you, uh, Colin. And, and, and I want to stay with what Colin said, David, about uh, zero vetting, uh, you know, certain products. Uh, you uh, mentioned earlier ten, what you're calling the 10 best buys. Uh, where are you uh, in terms of your thinking about, uh, you know, engaging government on zero vetting, certain uh, basic food items, and also the, the point that was made by one of our voice notes earlier about working the land. Uh, are there any any initiatives that you have as a DG Mary Trust in terms of teaching people how to grow their own food? Um, yes. So, so two very, very interesting comments. Um, so um, about 21 products, uh, food products are, are uh, zero rated. In other words, no VAT is applied to them, including seven of the 10 best buys. Mm-hmm. Um uh, that that's that's simply uh, avoiding tax on those those goods but the underlying costs of those goods are still too high and 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 the example that was given of one product that cost 22 rand in one store and 27 in the other why what who's who's getting that extra 5 rand mm. so 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 i think what i'm saying here is that is that um uh, simply extending that to more products um uh, uh, has a dilute effect because the, the rich benefit as much as the poor. What we've got to rather do is say, okay, we've already got zero VAT on uh, on most of these products. How do we reduce the the cost of those products, which are the most basic products, even further? Um, it needs to go beyond the VAT to um, uh, to a waiving of the products by, uh, by by industry, as well as the type of retail subsidies that that was spoken about that's what we need to do we need to now home in on those 10 and push hard now it's very very interesting that a country like malaysia has said it's going to do that it's mm. going to uh, it it has a combination of price caps and we've got to be careful about price caps but let me not spend time on that price caps and 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 retail subsidies through a combination of that malaysia has said we want to make sure that everybody has enough food we will work together. Government and industry will work together to do that. And they have managed to keep food prices down. And the amazing thing is that as a result, they have kept their overall inflation rate down. And, and, so, and so Malaysia has got the lowest inflation rates in, uh, in those East Asian countries. And so the benefits uh, have not only been uh, 
uh, uh, food price reduction, but actually putting a lid on uh, on inflation as well. Now, in terms of in terms of um, the uh, the food production, that's the, the the caller made a really really important point. Where people can grow food, it's so important to do that. I just got back from China yesterday, mm-hmm. and there, even in the most rural areas, it, with small little areas that people have uh, spaces, food is being grown, and and. So DG Murray Trust is working with non-government organizations across the country to um, uh, uh, to stimulate food production around households, around schools. I cite an example like Tanda, which is an organization in southern KwaZulu-Natal, where, they, where they've supported community gardens that produce enough food to feed children in early learning centers, to feed children in schools, and to sell to the surrounding spaza shops. So creating this virtuous cycle um, is is very very important. Yeah, I mean, you know, what what one of the things I you know regrettably did not highlight uh, at the beginning of our conversation, Linda, is that for you, your philanthropy work, it's literally money that comes from your own pocket, uh, and the things that you give to people, are, uh, uh, you know, the things that are come from your pocket. How, uh, you know, do you manage? How have you managed all of these years to drive uh, the giving to uh, you know community, the community, the poor, and the Elderly in, in in Alexander from your pocket. How, how you know how how hard has it been? And aren't you making calls for people to support your foundation to make sure that one you grow your foundation to give to more people through ex- hopefully donations that can come through to the Linda Twala Foundation. Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, ma'am. I'm saying you give from your own pocket. How are you, uh, you know, d- d- doing in terms of trying to get people to help fund your foundation so that you grow the pool of the people you end up giving to? Because giving from your pocket alone, uh, you know, it-, it must be hard. It is hard because uh, we've also introduced a vertical farming in Alexandra, mm-hmm. a academy for our children children cannot swim and every now and again they town and we also have a library and a, a, a music academy where we are teaching our children music some of them have been overseas already to go and play there so now, so, so if people want to give to your foundation uh, Linda, how do they go about it that is why I was saying if uh, you can give us a chance of sending you some information about what we do in our area. Okay. Do, is there a telephone number that they can call uh, if somebody's listening now and they're wanting to give to your foundation so that you give to the people of Alexander? Is there a telephone number? It's 082 yeah. 082-4422-866. 082-4422-866. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, David, Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, Nothing reminds you of how much you don't have when you look around you and you see how much others do have. What kinds of initiatives are you doing uh, at DG Murray Trust? And what ultimately is your last message to both business and individuals who want to, uh, you know, push the message of philanthropy in the communities that they live in? 
Yeah, so Growth Rates has a couple of very important and interesting projects working with uh, 2,900 community health workers across the country who are monitoring over 150,000 children, um, uh, uh, getting those children that are failing to thrive into the clinical system. Um, Flourish, which is a really exciting project of mom and baby classes where moms are taught about basic nutrition and breastfeeding. Um, so, I mean, all I can say at, at at this stage, and as we think about Christmas, is to to people who are battling to get enough food, make sure that you're spending your food as uh, your money as wisely as possible on the best possible food that you can purchase with those that money. Don't don't spend money on sweets, on sweet drinks, and on on chips. Those are empty calories. Those those don't help. Um, uh, look after pregnant women. We know that. Uh, pregnant women who are nurtured and looked after uh, tend to have healthier babies. Look after people in your community who are pregnant. If you are, uh, if you do have a baby, breastfeeding is so so important. And trying to have as much diversity of 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 foodstuffs um, uh, is uh, is is critical. And if you are on the other side of the fence and you do have enough money, um, there are many many organisations across the country who are still working even through the Christmas time to provide some basic food and nutrition. Find find those organizations, reach out to them um, and do your best to provide some assistance so that children can go hungry even as we try and deal with the more uh, and, uh, the larger underlying and fundamental problems uh, of our food security system in South Africa. And your contact details at the DG Murray Trust website, social media pages? Yeah. Yes, so people can certainly contact us via our website, which is www.dgmt.co.za, and there will be a contact us um, uh, uh, facility there. Thank you to the both of you, gentlemen. Thank you so much, uh, David Harrison, Chief Operations Officer, DG Murray Trust, Linda Twala, philanthropist and founder of the Linda Twala Foundation.